San Diego 101. From Voice of San Diego, I'm Adriana Heldes. And I'm Maya Krishnan. This is San Diego 101. This week, both Governor Gavin Newsom and San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria addressed the homelessness problem in our area. Governor Gavin Newsom visits San Diego and helps clean up a homeless encampment. The homelessness crisis in San Diego it's is a priority. homelessness crisis in our state. No amount of progress can camouflage the most pernicious crisis, though, in our midst. Homelessness. And that's why I'm devoting today's remark to this crisis. And it must be the top of our agenda. The best data we have on homelessness is this. From 2019 to 2020, there was a 21% increase in people experiencing homelessness in San Diego County for a total of 38,000 people. That's according to the Regional Task Force on Homelessness. We don't have the 2021 numbers yet, but a 21% increase, that's a big deal. And that was before things got a lot worse during the pandemic. We see the reality of this number all the time. Many of us who live in San Diego see the people who are behind the numbers every day, everywhere. And there's a lot about this issue that we might not fully understand. From what we can see, we often make up our own stories. We have our own assumptions about people experiencing homelessness. If they wanted to get into a real home, they'd try harder, clean themselves up, get a job, They look like they're on drugs. That's probably why they're homeless. That could never be me. These are myths. There are no myths. You know, when it comes down to it, what are myths? Stories. And some stories, you know, when I was growing up, when you say, why did you tell that story? That means you you told a lie, right? But that's a nice way of saying it, you know? Did you tell a, a good story or a bad story? The bigger the myth, basically today's is like the bigger the lie. Coming up, the most common myths about homelessness in San Diego. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Kroc School's dedicated community fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. Join culture creator Ramel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com.
Well, I'm Lisa Halverstad. I work at Voice of San Diego, and I have been reporting on homelessness now for several years. Lisa Halverstadt has been covering homelessness here for a long time. She's arguably the best homelessness reporter in the region. But then again, we're biased. Conferences and announcements about things being done to address homelessness in San Diego. But it never really seemed like there was a lot of progress in terms of what people see on the street. In this time, she's heard a lot of things about homelessness and the homeless experience. And she's found a lot of truth. But there are three things that come up a lot. They're important, not because they're true, but because so many people believe them. Three big myths about homelessness. The first, people who are living on the street don't want to get off the street. So one that I hear often is that um, people who are living on the street don't want to get off the street. Can you talk about why that myth is wrong? Well, first off. It sucks to live outside. Think about this. You know, it rains, as we've seen, you know, more recently in San Diego. We've had a lot of rain. Um, You're out in the open. There's not a lot of privacy. um, And you don't sleep well. You don't ever really get to relax. It's not pleasant. With the trauma of living on the street, sometimes when people are asked, do you want a shelter bed? They might not have an answer that the general public would expect. Often we hear stories of, in particular in San Diego, of the homeless outreach team, the San Diego Police Department homeless outreach team, walking up to a homeless individual and saying, sir, you know, would you like a shelter bed tonight? I can offer you a shelter bed. And that person saying no. But there's a lot to peel back on that. Um, First off, most people that I've talked to in my time reporting on homelessness, and I've talked to a heck of a lot of people in the time that I've been on this beat, Most of them would love to get off the street. But just like the rest of us, the details matter, right? So if I walked up to you, Adriana, or you, Maya, and I said, I can give you a shelter bed tonight or I can get you a home, you'd probably have a lot of questions for me and you'd be like, who the heck is this girl? And homeless people are just the same. Everyone, even the mentally ill, would like to get off the street. It's just the way they want to do it sometimes. They tried back in the county. This is Destry Whitney. Native San Diego and raised three children here. Ended up homeless in 2017 when my last child graduated high school. Um, and been battling through the homeless situation ever since. You know, it's not. He's been dealing with homelessness for years now. And as we're talking to him, He's waiting to get into housing because he doesn't want to live on the street. Treat them like people. They are just people. They cry. They get sick. They die. Um, And they're in a bad place right now. I mean, nobody's homeless digging it. Even if you're living it and making it look good, which some of us did pretty well. There are ways to make it more tolerable, more livable. But they're people with needs like anyone. For example, say you've got a job interview and you need to get there by nine. If you're unhoused, there are a lot of obstacles in your way. And what people fail to understand sometimes is when you're on the street, the homeless part of your life is very, very difficult. You know, most folks that are probably listening to this podcast are getting up and hopping in the shower right there in their house. Nice warm water, shave, feeling good, throwing on some fresh clothes out of the closet. 
And they can go to a job interview by nine o'clock because they'll hop in their car and they'll go to the job interview. So look at a homeless guy, gets up on the sidewalk. It's 5 a.m., you gotta go, that's the law. So you get up and you go. Now you gotta take a shower if you wanna go to a job interview at nine. And the showers are very, very, very cold to where it's, it takes your breath away. So taking a shower isn't easy. And then the clothes that you get on, even if you make that shower happen, which a lot of us do every day. And then you get into your clothes and everything's wrinkled and dirty and sand gets in. It's amazing how sand can get into anything. So you got sand on you and then top it all off. Hopefully you got enough bus fare or a bus pass that somebody donated to you so you can actually go get on a bus and make it there by 9 o'clock. Then when you get there, you got everything you own is on your back because you can't leave it somewhere. It gets taken. I've got a, You hear it every day. My stuff got stolen last night. What'd you do? Well, I had it hidden in the bush. Somebody Just a quick note. Those sounds you hear in the background are a baby. We had some company in the studio. So you got to take your stuff with you. So now you're walking into a job and you're in wrinkled clothes. You really couldn't do really good by yourself. You don't look pretty, but you're passable, maybe. And, and you're asking these people to trust you to be their employee. So there's a lot more to navigate in life if you're homeless. And when it comes to getting a home... There are options. We read about them in the news, hear about them in conversation, but they're hard to navigate. And not just any shelter or spare bed works for everyone. People are complicated, and we all have our own needs and desires. People experiencing homelessness are no different. There are lots of reasons why someone may not want to accept shelter or even the housing that seems ideal. Um, I would also note that um, you know, many of us may look at people in tents and say, well, that's clearly not ideal. Look at all the stuff that this person has. But they are able to be in charge of that. They are taking ownership of this space. They decide that they have pets in this space. Um, they're able to arrange details in their tents as they want. Um, and they don't necessarily have to abide by curfews, which can still exist. They don't have to worry about coming and going for jobs. And I have to tell you, one myth we're not getting to today is so many people think the homeless people don't work. A lot of homeless people have jobs. Um, a lot of homeless people do a lot of work. And also a lot of homeless people clean up the spaces around them. Um, I have met so many people over the years walk up and they're literally sweeping their space just like you or I would sweep outside of our home. Um, so I think it's it's important to know that, you know, that doesn't mean that this person that's sweeping outside of their space doesn't want to get off the street, but they're making the best of what they have. They're building connections. They're building a home. Um, and to get them off the street will really take some good conversation over time with an outreach worker or someone else that has the time and energy to really understand what does this person want? What is ideal for them versus just as a homeless service system or a city, us just deciding this is what works for this person. Myth number two, all homeless people are mentally ill or addicted to drugs. Another is that uh, most homelessness is somehow tied to addiction or mental health issues or a result of those issues. When we think about homelessness, 
we often think about the people that are most visible to us. Those tend to be people who are chronically homeless, who are living on the street, and maybe are most disruptive to our lives or our communities. Chronically homeless means someone who's been homeless for at least a year or been homeless off and on for a while, and they have a disability. And very often, the individuals that are most disruptive to others around them do suffer from mental health um, or addiction challenges. But that doesn't mean that they make up the majority of the homeless population or that most homelessness is caused by these things. It's much more nuanced than that. No question that if you have bad mental health or substance use problems, you're at a higher risk of homelessness. That's absolutely true. This is Dr. Margot Cushel. And I'm a physician and researcher at UCSF, um, where I run the Benioff Homelessness and Housing Initiative, where we provide um, neutral policy-oriented research on issues related to homelessness. We put this myth to her about mental health and substance abuse. She digs into research about homelessness, and she treats people who are homeless. Helping them make sure that they're up to date on their cancer screening, helping them if they have HIV. And she says there's this idea that helps explain the myth of substance abuse, mental illness, and homelessness. It's called a bidirectional relationship. Yeah, we talk about the bidirectional relationship. And again, I'm not going to say that people with mental health and substance use problems aren't at higher risk of homelessness. Of course they are. But the opposite is definitely true as well, is that people become homeless and, and the situation is really a nightmare. People get very little sleep. We're talking three or four hours of night of sleep. People get assaulted at incredibly high rates. We've documented these shocking high rates of physical and sexual assault. People are demoralized. They feel hopeless. Um, and, and often that leads to mental health problems, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, these things combined with sleep deprivation to the general public can look really like, you know, like someone has had a lifelong mental health problem and maybe they haven't. We also see people, um, tell us that either their substance use started or worsened. Um, with homelessness. And we certainly see people who have addiction problems who tell us that they really can't put any energy into healing from that when they're struggling with the day-to-day. So both, you know, all these things are true. Yeah, people with these pre-existing problems are more likely to become homeless. They're more likely to stay homeless longer. But more importantly, it's really, really hard to get treatment or really to engage in any meaningful way to heal from those problems. When every moment of every day you're trying to figure out, where can I sleep? Am I going to get beat up or am I going to get raped? Um, you know, where am I going to eat? That doesn't leave a lot of mental energy for healing. People feel demoralized. They're sleep deprived. And so these problems, no matter what they were to begin with, tend to get worse. So if someone is struggling with mental health issues or substance abuse issues, that can make them more vulnerable to homelessness. And it goes the other way, too. If you lose your job, lose a few paychecks, lose your apartment, the circumstances of homelessness can push people towards substance abuse and worsen mental health. We tend to see them the most. And so we think that they're emblematic of the population when that's not necessarily the case. 
Reporter Lisa Halverstadt again. Um, I had a conversation with Dennis Colhane. He is considered one of the foremost uh, researchers on homelessness in the United States. Um, And he talked to me about the fact that vulnerabilities like addiction or mental health challenges can certainly contribute to homelessness. But more importantly, they sustain homelessness. They make people or contribute to people becoming chronically homeless and make it harder for people to recover. Um, Many people become homeless and have you know, these challenges. But there are so many more people who are in homes having these same challenges that we just don't see. So that's that's a really important point to make. Now, in terms of the numbers, Colhane said, based on the research he's seen, probably 12 to 15 percent of the homeless population has a serious mental illness. Um, that's based on a lot of historical research. With When it comes to addiction, the lion's share of the research, we're suggesting that somewhere between 25 and 40 percent of the nation's homeless population is struggling with some sort of uh, alcohol or drug addiction or both. And if we just focus locally, we have some data on the nearly 4,600 people who were sheltered during the pandemic at the convention center and a couple of other downtown shelters. The city data shows 43% of people sheltered during that time reported a mental health challenge, which could include something like anxiety rather than a serious mental health condition. 9.5% said they struggled with alcoholism and nearly 13% with drug addiction. And 9.5% said they struggled with both. That's not a majority. Now, it's worth noting that there has been some evidence that more homeless people have struggled with addiction and mental health challenges the past few years, particularly during the pandemic and a separate opioid epidemic, but so have people who have homes. And experts we consulted agree that still doesn't mean a majority of homeless people are dealing with these issues or became homeless because of them. Your eyes may tell you that everyone who's homeless has substance use or mental health problems. That's not true. It's just hard to see the people who you don't notice. Myth number three, it can't happen to me. And then the big one, which is that it could not happen to me. You know, I would never become homeless myself. Uh, When in reality, most people that became homeless didn't ever envision that for themselves. Homelessness happens to so many different people. Um, I'll give a couple examples of folks that I've gotten to know uh, while on this beat and and covering even City Hall. Uh, One example is City Council President Sean Elo Rivera. Um, He was in law school. uh, He got out of a relationship and suddenly he was living in his SUV um, for several months. Uh, He never would have seen himself falling into that situation, but now he talks a lot about how that informs his policy views. Another person that I've had a chance to meet um, working at Voice of San Diego is Joe Barrett. Um, She is a homeless advocate. Uh, She had a really impressive career. She was making six figures working at Boeing. uh, And then she lost her job during the financial crisis years ago. 
uh, and she had her home foreclosed on and she ran through her savings. She ended up living in her car and showering at the gym. Um, Joe Barrett would never have thought that she would fall into homelessness and it happened to her. Personally, being homeless for 70 years, you know, um, it's hard to say, but it really comes down to everyone understanding that any homelessness can come to anyone. DeForest Hancock was homeless for a while in San Diego. She didn't think it could happen to her. At one point, she says she owned three properties. And for me, um, it was following a wrong, I say wrongful termination. And after I lost the, Things uh, lost the battle, three-year battle, battle fighting, you know, my case, um, and then losing my home, actually three properties, and the last one being my family home of 50 years. People just need to stop and think about it could happen to me because it could happen to any of us. Right now with the pandemic, um, the last couple of years, it's gotten worse. You know, it's worse. Back to the doctor and researcher. Margot Cashel. On this myth, she says race is a huge factor. White people, people with privilege, people whose families have built generational wealth, they think it can't happen to them because they have these safety nets in place. Look, I mean, I think um, people, for instance, with white privilege um, are less likely to wind up homeless if you have um, family members who've been lucky enough to buy housing, which Remember, black and brown members of our community were actually legally excluded from buying housing. It's not a coincidence that homeownership levels are lower in, in communities of color, right? If you have a family member who owns um, housing, you have this amazing protection from homelessness. It's not perfect. You know, it's not perfect. You know, we certainly see um, folks who have a family member who really has terrible mental health or substance use problems where the family simply can't provide housing. We absolutely see that, right? And and that person winds up homeless. But for most people, um, that provides an enormous protection. And we see this split. So, for instance, there was this really interesting survey done in, in L.A. recently, and um, white folks thought that people were homeless because of mental health and substance use problems, and black folks said, no, that's not why. It's not not absolute, but but there's some truth in that, right? For the most part, many white folks, a higher proportion of white folks who wind up homeless um, are people who are really, really struggling with mental health and substance use problems and can't, um, and really lose the protection of their family because their family, you know, can't can't keep them, can't, can't keep them safe. Um, whereas in the black community, so many folks are um, are homeless simply because you know, they lost their job and they can't um, afford their rent. And if the family members are either struggling themselves or interestingly, if they're renters, you know, if you own your house, you can have whatever house guests you want. If you're a renter, you can't just have your brother move in with you um, because you might get kicked out of your housing for having someone who's not on the lease stay there. So it is a really complicated argument. So I would say, you know, many people are closer to homelessness than they realize. But if you are not closer to homelessness, that may have as much to do with the privilege that you have um, than, than anything else. That's a great point. Back to Lisa. Um, yes. What we know is that there are groups that disproportionately fall into homelessness. Um, take Black San Diegans, for example. Though During the last homeless count, 
Black people represented a little under 5% of the population here in San Diego, but 21% of the homeless population. I think that really speaks to the disparities and the lack of supports um, that some groups have compared with others. And when I say supports, I don't necessarily mean that they don't have families that support them. That's not what this is about. Sometimes it's more about having people in your life that can step up for you financially, having savings in the bank, um, having a place where you could stay, where your family members, um, you know, have an extra bedroom. Um, that's just not the reality for so many San Diegans. I remember being kids, we go down there and make bonfires to sleep in the sand. Nobody cared. <laughs> Different when you're an adult. They don't like that. <laughs> this is Destry again, who we met at so, the beginning of the episode. You know, um, at one point, and, and before he became homeless, he says he was making as much as $150,000 a year. And and it just it just happens. To, it can happen to anybody. Let's just simplify that whole conversation by saying it can happen to anybody. Unless you got hundreds of millions of dollars in the way. And it could even happen to you. <laughs> it can happen to anybody. What is a myth? It's something that you really don't know unless you, uh, you talk to the person, find out the details behind the myth. Right? It's now time for us to come together because um, in these days and times, you know, it's just, it's as bad as it's ever been. Coming up, what our experts say you should know about homelessness and what you can do about it. Join culture creator Ramel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's Program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. So we talked to a lot of people for this episode. Our resident expert, Lisa, Dr. Margo, who had a wealth of knowledge about medical challenges around homelessness and stuff about policy, and two people who have dealt with homelessness themselves, Destry and DeForest. Thanks again for sharing your stories with us. So one thing I always advocate for, and I always want us 
uh, to do at the end of each episode is basically give people something to take away from what they just heard, um, something that they can maybe pursue and learn more on their own. Yeah. So what stood out to you from all these conversations we had? Well, number one, treat homeless people like you would anyone else. That's something that we heard from all of our guests. Talk to them, listen to them, and most importantly, respect them. One of the things that stood out to me was that we really need to educate ourselves about what causes homelessness. We need to understand that some people are just more likely to end up homeless because of their race or other factors they can't control. But the region's housing crisis is what can throw even the people you don't expect into homelessness. And finally, homelessness is the result of a lot of broken systems in our country. And within that big broken system are a lot of smaller um, issues that we can sort of work on, whether it be housing or um, working on trying to tackle the fact that a lot of children are experiencing homelessness. Not everyone has to tackle homelessness as, you know, the huge issue that it is. You can focus on a specific issue within homelessness and do what you can, learn what you can, and little by little, we'll make progress. San Diego 101. San Diego 101 is a product of Voice of San Diego. Hosted and produced by Maya Shikrishnan and Adriana Heldes. Produced, edited, and mixed by me, Nate John. Additional support from Megan Wood. Learn more about San Diego and how it works at sd101.org. That's sd101.org. San Diego 101 is made possible with support from the Langler Benbow Foundation, the Parker Foundation, and the Seuss Foundation. Additional support from Gulper, Sullivan, Rivera, and Osuna, and Bloodhurst and O'Reardon, LLC, and the members of Voice of San Diego. Support SD101 and become a member now at vosd.org slash member. San Diego 101 and transmission. Goodbye.